So this morning, I have a very awesome privilege to introduce you to um, a friend of mine who has been a part of our family here for a long time here at the mission, and uh, I just love him to pieces. Um, his name is Brian Williams, but people call him Tiger. They call him Tiger. And uh, the only reason why I can, like, I've thought about this for a long time, like, hours. Like, I've thought about, why do they call him Tiger? Like, just sitting in bed at night, like, Tiger, what's that about? It, no, I'm just kidding. But um, that's kind of weird. Um, but, um, but the only thing I can come up with is that this man right here, the reason why they would call him Tiger is because he is ferociously kind. Oh. Ferociously <laughs> kind. This is one of the kindest, most tender man, men that I know, and I'm just so honored to call him friend. Would you please welcome Brian Williams to bring the word today? <laughs> Thank you, Jason. All right, we're on. Cool. Um, ferocious, I was... All right, well, ferociously kind. That's good, too. Um, good morning, everybody. I'm really glad we're here. Um, whoa, are we Okay. So this morning we're going to talk about God's love, right? This I know. Um, that's the sermon series we've been in. Um, wow, everybody's so far away. Is this what it's always like, Jason? Man, it's lonely up here. Um, so we're talking about this I know. You know the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. To remember that Jesus loves us, that God loves us, to grasp that, to really think about it. Uh, the first week Ricardo talked about uh, how personal that love is. Uh, how much God knows us individually and He seeks us out. And then Jason talked last week about how God's love transforms us. When we grasp it, when we understand how huge it is, it should impact us in a way that just unravels us and changes who we are and how we act. So this week, I'm kinda, I get the privilege of kind of packaging it all up, kind of bringing it all together um, from beginning to end, kind of like the song was saying, from the head to the heart. That's kind of how we're going to move through today. Um, so I, I really just want, I appreciate um, that you guys are excited about me being up here. At least Ricardo is. That's cool. Um, but I really don't have much to offer. Um, and that's just the truth of it. I don't have much to offer. But the good thing is this does. The Bible has a lot to offer. Um, and so today, um, really, I'm just passing on what's in here. Um, I'm also using a couple other books that I just want to tell you about. Um, one is called Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. I don't know. Oh, snaps. Oh, snaps. Um, it's a really good book. It's only 100 pages, so it's pretty short, but it's really dense. <laughs> um, it'll really make your mind kind of melt a little bit thinking about God and how big he is, how vast he is, trying to comprehend him. So we're going to use a few quotes from this. Pick it up, read it if you get a chance. Um, just go one chapter at a time and then take a week to like think about that chapter. Um, the other book is Your God is Too Small by J.B. Phillips. Um, I think it's still in print. I don't actually know. I got this from my grandpa, and this was like, I think it, the copyright's like 1961 or something like that. It's pretty, anyway, another good book. We'll look at one quote from there as well. Um, all right, so like I said, we're going to start with the head and then move to the heart. Um, so as we begin, let's first talk about words, just words in general. We're talking about this word love. Um, but we need to remember first and foremost that words don't originate ideas. 
ideas, words come from ideas first. Um, Tozer puts it this way, um, that we must escape the slavery of words and give loyal adherence to meanings. We've got to grasp that that the word is not what we're looking for. We're looking at the meaning behind that word. Ricardo talked about this the first week, about recognizing love. You know, we all have this concept of love, but our concept may not be correct. And so we're looking past what we think of love to what love really is. Um, we're looking for the meaning that, that love is formed out of. So in, uh, in, first, um, in first John 3, he says two times, one in verse 8 and then another time in verse 16, that God is love. Now it's important to note that God, he's not saying that God, that love is God, but God is love. So for us to understand love, we've got to understand who God is. We've got to grasp who he is. He defines what love is and not the other way around. That's a big task because we have to ask who is God, <laughs> right? That's, that's really big. So we're just going to take a short moment on that before we move on to the rest of this because this is sort of some groundwork, some foundation to think about as we talk about love and God's love for us. So let's look at a few attributes of who God is. Um, these are things we know of God because he's revealed it to us. He's revealed it to us through his scripture. He's revealed it to us through his actions, through the world we see around us. We know that God is holy. We know that God is righteous. We know that God is mercy, that he is grace, that God is faithful, that he is just, that he is eternal. And that's a really big one. That's real good, right? Um, that he is powerful, that God is love. Each of these capture a part of who God is, but none of them contain who he is. If we were to take all of them and put them together, and there's many more than this, this is just a few, but if we were to take all of them to put together, they still don't give us a full picture of who God is. They only give us a partial picture. They give us a glimpse. It's like taking a cup and trying to pick up the ocean. We only have so much. We are limited and God is infinite. And so we may never grasp all that God is, but we give it our best to try and understand as much as we can. It's pretty good, right? If, if this is who God is, and God is love, well, we've got a lot to count on, right? He's righteous, He's holy, He's holy, He's pure. He's gracious and merciful. He's full of justice, and He's eternal. Love is all those things, because God is love. God defines what love is for us. Alright, so as we move through, as we talk about love here, um, let's remember what we're really talking about. We're talking about this meaning behind love. Not just the word, but this. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about God. We're talking about who He is and how He shows that to us. Alright. Let's jump in. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip there. We're going to look at what Paul observes about God, about His love. Um, what Paul writes... So he writes to the Corinthian church, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, 
always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you... I, I remember when, when I um, decided I was going to marry Amy. And I was like, alright, let's do this. And you know, you, how many times do you see that scripture at weddings and things? Or how many times have you read it? I know before being married, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I can do that. No problem. <laughs> this is going to be great. She's going to love marriage. <laughs> it's not that easy. It's not that easy. It's quite hard, actually. Many times I can think, we have an amazing relationship. I'm so thankful for her and for who she is. But our relationship isn't perfect, and it's mostly because I don't do these things. Or she doesn't do them. Or we do the things that it says not to do. <laughs> right? Go and go to the next slide, James, real quick. So we have, I made a quick list. Here's what love is not and what love is. So often, I'll operate over here in what love is not. I become selfish. I become proud. I want things my way. I don't listen. I don't care for her. I'm not patient. I'm not kind. I'm not always protecting. I'm not always trusting or believing the best in her. I'm not always hoping. I'm not always persevering. I'm failing. That's really sad. <laughs> but the good thing is that I'm really glad Katie's here. So Katie, hi Katie, how awkward. <laughs> um, Katie, she, she painted this sign and she had it up in her house and it said, um, it's I don't I actually don't know the verse, but uh, like what scripture verse it is. But it says, uh, "Love above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins." And that's in our house, and I look at it often, and it's so beautiful because though I don't do this and I do do this, I come back, and the truth is that love restores and redeems. Even the brokenness that might be between us because I've failed her or she's failed me. Love is beautiful and it's so powerful when we look at what it really is. When we look at who God is, it's so good. It's so good. God takes care of the things that I've failed at. He's take care, he takes care of the things that I mess up. Because He cares for me and He cares for Amy and He cares for our relationship. And in that brokenness, we're restored by love. Out of no love, love comes in and conquers it. <laughs> it conquers that lack of love. It's so beautiful. Alright, so a quick way, looking at these two, we have love is not envy, boasting. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love rejoices with the truth. Love is always protecting. It is always trusting. Always hoping. Always persevering. It is never failing. When we look at those two things, it kind of comes down to one is wanting the good for somebody, and the other is not. Love is willing good. It, has, it means goodwill towards another. Love is to desire the best for someone else. 
and never wants harm or evil for the other. When we think of goodwill and who has the best goodwill, it's God, right? As we talked about earlier, God defines what love is for us. So let's look real quick at the guy who did it best, Jesus. Um, 1 John 3, 16 and 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us. We see an example of love, that always hoping, always trusting, always persevering, never failing love. We see it in how God laid down himself for us, how Jesus sacrificed himself for us. He's the archetype. He's, he's the definer of what love looks like. The crazy thing is that then he calls us to do it as well. Isn't that nuts? That's hard. Obviously I can't. I fail in my marriage. How am I going to do it for a stranger? But that's what God calls us to. And that's what Jason talked about last week. That is we grasp how much God loves us. How much he cares for us. How much he's done for us and given, given up for us. That it will change how we act and how we respond. In Matthew 18 there's a story about uh, this dude who owes a bunch of money to a king. Um, and the king ends up calling all the debts due. He says, hey, got to pay up. Well, this guy, he doesn't have the money, and it's like a lot of money. So he, he tells the king's servants, you know, I, I can't pay. And so the king says, okay, anybody who can't pay, um, we're going to sell all your stuff. We're going to sell your, your kids. We're going to sell your wife um, into slavery just to pay back this debt you owe. And the guy goes to the king, and he begs him. He pleads with him, be patient with me. Be patient with me. I'll, I'll, I'll pay back everything I owe. And the king, seeing this debtor there begging has pity on him and he forgives him he says you know go i won't i won't demand this payment of you you're free of it it's forgiven entirely and the expectation is that what i would think is then that guy probably walked out of there all like woohoo you know all right we got this i'm free i can't believe it and he probably went out and he was so thankful and he had been shown, shown so much grace that then he was going and giving it to other people and it was just out pouring out of him how much he cares because he was so cared for but the crazy thing is in this story that jesus tells that's not what the guy does he goes out and he finds another servant who owes him, you know, like five bucks, whatever. And he's like, hey, look, you got to pay me. And the guy's like, I don't have it. I'm a servant. I don't know. And so the guy says, all right, well, I'm going to get the authorities to throw you in jail. And the king hears about it. And he's like, what? You're kidding me. Why would he do that? He doesn't, I, gave, I forgave him so much. And here he is holding somebody else to it. And yet that's what I do so often. I forget how powerful and important the love of God is to me. I forget all that's been done for me, all that He poured out for me, all the forgiveness that came my way, all the blessing, all the goodwill that God sent my way. And then 
I stand alone in pride and selfishness and don't extend that goodwill to others. God's love ought to compel us. It ought to change us. It ought to transform us. A part of that, uh, let's move on to John, 1 John 4.18. One of the things this says about love. There is no fear in love. For perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love. For perfect love drives out fear. Fear is this painful emotion that um, the thought of harm coming our way. It's the thought of harm. It's not even actual harm. It doesn't even have to be real harm upon us. It's the thought that harm will come. When we are in the presence of somebody, when we're under the protection of somebody who has goodwill towards us, fear is gone because there's not a thought that they would harm us. We trust that they have the power to protect us and we know that they care for us and so we won't be harmed. Uh, there's a story about, think of like a, a little girl that gets lost in a crazy, busy store. Let's say it's Christmas time, maybe. Victoria Gardens. I don't know if you've ever been there at Christmas time. You can't park. It's crazy. So this little girl's lost at Victoria Gardens on, you know, the day before Christmas. It's craziness. Um, she's standing there and there's people running and rushing all around her. And she has no idea. Do any of them care for her? Do any of them watch out for her? She's afraid, thinking they have the ability to harm me, whether it's intentional or not. Harm could come my way in this moment. I'm lost. And these giants are moving around me with lightning speed, with no attention for, who, for me. She doesn't feel that goodwill towards her. But a moment later, when her mom picks her up and wraps her up in her arms, the fear is gone. It's cast out. She knows that her mom is there. Her mom has goodwill towards her, has love for her, and has the power to protect her. And the fear is gone. The same is true of God, right? The same is true of God. His, he has the power to love us, and He does love us. If only we'd believe it, and sit in it, and rest in His wrapped up arms. Uh, Alright. So, the world is full of enemies, right? Full of enemies. There's enemies all around us. It's inevitable that we'll be afraid when we live outside of God's love. It's inevitable. Tozer puts it this way. He writes that the effort to conquer fear without removing the consequence is altogether futile. As long as we are in the hands of chance, as long as we look for hope in the law of averages, as long as we must trust for survival to our ability to outthink or outmaneuver the enemy, we have every good reason to be afraid. And fear is torment. Fear is torment. But here's the beautiful thing. That doesn't have to be us. That doesn't have to be us. God loves us with a personal love, a powerful love that will change us and mold us and shape us. To be free of the torment of fear is to know God's love, is to trust it, to sit in it and be in it.
Now, to be free of fear, to trust God's love, to sit in it, isn't to be isolated from the pain of this world, but to have the strength to move through it. The psalmist wrote about God as his refuge and his strength. He's not just our refuge, but he's our strength to move through these things. The salvation we have, the anchor, is beyond the veil. It's on the other side of life. And it's firm, it's secure, it's immovable. We know that God has planted it there and that it's not going to change. And with that, we can move through the trials and the struggles of this world confident, free, alive, rather than tormented, fearful, pushed down, crushed. God gives us an opportunity to walk lightly, freely. It's wonderful. J.B. Phillips puts it this way. The genuine Christian can and does venture out into all kinds of exacting and even perilous activities, but all the time he knows that he has a completely stable and unchanging center of operations to which he can return for strength, refreshment, and recuperation. In that sense, he does escape to God, though he does not avoid the duties or burdens of life, His very escape fits him for the day-to-day engagement with life's strains and difficulties. In Ephesians 3, 16 and 19, we read a prayer from Paul as he prays for the Ephesians. And it's a really beautiful prayer. It's really powerful. The cool thing as we read it, the incredible thing is not that Paul prays for them to be removed from the trials that they are experiencing at the time, but that he prays for them to know God's love so that they can move through those trials, that they would grasp it and understand it, and so that they might be strong in the trials. So Paul Paul prays this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that is God's, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, that is God again, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Forever and ever, amen. God's love defines us. And God defines love. So, if love has the ability to remove us from fear, to transform us, to give us a purpose and a hope, then what assurances do we have that God loves us? That He really does care for us? That He has chosen us? We're going to watch a quick video about that. Cool. You, look at your eyes, look at them, speckled, colorful, each one unique, and I created every one of them. I created everything, the universe, and you. I gave you your personality. I made you pure. Every day, I 
give you life. I love you. But something happened. You cheated on me. You didn't trust me. You sinned. You cut yourself off from me. And although you're still alive, you were slowly dying. So you looked for other things. loves us, guys. God loves us. How marvelous. How marvelous. That love is so powerful. It ought to change us. It ought to move us. How many of you go to a good restaurant and say, oh man, you got to go to this restaurant. It's so good. Red Panka, that's a new one. We saw Jeff and uh, Angelica there recently and it was so good we were like this place is great or what about good music hear a new band new album a certain track and you're like oh this is 
Stiller. You guys got to hear it. And you share it with everybody. Yet this, this message, this story that we've been given, that is to us, it's that king who said, hey, you're pardoned, you're forgiven, you are free. That message is said to us and we have the privilege of sharing it with others. It's so beautiful, it's so good. Let's share it. Let's share it. Let's recognize it and move in it in ourselves and then give it to others. God loves us. God loves me. He loves you. And He loves the people outside. He loves us. Let's end with a verse from Romans. One last verse. Romans 8. Section of Scripture here. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Alright, worship band, if you guys won't come up, ushers come forward. We're going to end. I'm going to read a prayer here. By the way, this book, my bookmark, is a picture of my wife holding an axe on our wedding day. It's awesome. All right. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. (laughs) Our Father, which art in heaven, we thy children are often troubled in mind hearing within us at once the affirmations of faith and the accusations of conscience. We are sure that there is in us nothing that could attract the love of one as holy and as just as Thou art. Yet Thou hast declared Thine unchanging love for us in Christ Jesus. If nothing in us can win Thy love, nothing in the universe can prevent Thee from loving us. Thy love is uncaused and undeserved. Thou art thyself the reason for the love wherewith we are loved. Help us to believe the intensity, the eternity of the love that has found us. Then love will cast out fear, and our troubled hearts will be at peace, trusting not in what we are, but in what thou hast declared thyself to be. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the love that you have given us, that you have shown us. Lord, we hand over all that we are to you, Lord. We trust you with all that we are, knowing that you have good will towards us. Lord, that you have what it takes to protect us, to take care of us, to give us a secure footing, a sure foundation. May your spirit move among us. Lord, bring glory to yourself through this offering now. 
and through our worship. Amen.